It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome in, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Is it is a uh, pregame show edition as we lead you into Pirate basketball coverage against North Texas. The P-Man is already on his way over to Williams Arena, Minji's Coliseum, for the call on ESPN Plus tonight. So I'm Philip Pilkington. I will be filling in for him. First off, reminder that the game can be heard right here on 94.3, the game as well as our sister station, 107.9. Network coverage will start at 6.30 for tonight's contest with Tip there just after seven o'clock so what is on the docket today we will talk to steven Igo here uh, about midway through the show and talk to him about uh, this upcoming matchup as he will hopefully call us before he makes his way over to the arena i'm sure the cell phone service is a little bit better at his house and then uh before that though we will talk to scooter rogers who was on the call of the women's game earlier today as they fell to the rice owls 80 to 67 this drops the pirates to two and three in league play and nine and seven overall um the pirates were picked to finish second in the American Athletic Conference. And when you look at their body of work and out-of-conference play, that seemed to be still the case. Unfortunately, they lose Sania Johnson for the rest of the season with a broken leg. Then Micah Dennis goes down with a torn ACL. And the backcourt has really thinned out for this women's team. Um, The post-play has continued to be well. And, you know, Karina Gordon has stepped up uh, the freshman guard and helped out but still it is very clear that this team is not as deep in the backcourt as they need to be losing Micah Dennis the starting point guard who has played for the Canadian women's national team as well as Sania Johnson who was a good facilitator on offense as well and when you look at for instance today with the minutes there were only six players who played over 10 minutes in the game, and they all played at least 22 minutes. There were not three other players that got in the game. They each played five minutes or less, and that depth is becoming a problem for this women's team and could really hurt them down the stretch. However, I do believe this conference is wide open. South Florida is not nearly as good as it has been in the past. And at the end of the day, this is probably going to be a one-bid league. So if the Pirates can get it figured out by conference tournament time and they can put together a run as they did just one year ago, there's no reason they cannot be right back in the NCAA tournament. However, unfortunately, in order to win the conference title, you're at least going to have to win three games in three days, potentially four games in four days. And with the lack of depth, it can be easy to get very tired legs. And that was something this team did not seem to struggle with early in the season was depth. It was something they didn't struggle with last year during that conference tournament run. So hopefully they can get it figured out. Coach Kim McNeil has been 
given problems like this in the past, and she has come out on the good end of them before. So I have no doubt that the talent is there among the girls. The ability to coach them is there from Coach Kim McNeil and her staff. It's just a matter of whether or not it will happen just good enough to get the ladies into the NCAA tournament for the second consecutive year. Going on to the men's side, as mentioned earlier, they will take on the Mean Green of North Texas tonight. It'll be the first time the Pirates have faced North Texas as a member of the American Athletic Conference. They're one of the new members. We actually didn't even play them in football this year. I don't want to say it's the first ever meeting i'm sure we played them in you know one of the other sports like volleyball or soccer but i i'm not 100 percent sure on that little scouting report on the main green according to kim palm they play the slowest brand of basketball in all of the nation due to that they have only allowed 58.4 points per game that is good enough for third in the country their scoring offense not as good only scoring 69.5 per game that's in the bottom 70 in the country however when you play the slowest brand of basketball you're of course not going to score a lot the one thing they can do is shoot the rock from downtown they are 26th in the nation in three-point shooting percentage coming in at 38 percent I do believe this North Texas team playing slow could be a benefit for the Pirates tonight this East Carolina team has proven to have a great and deep backcourt when you look, of course, at R.J. Felton, Jaden Walker, Bobby Pettiford Jr., Caleb LeCount, and Cam Hayes. The unfortunate thing with this Pirates team has been the lack of depth in the front court. When you get past Ezra Asar and Brandon Johnson, no one has really established as that next big guy in there. We've seen Sierra Malonga play, we've seen Callum Richard, and we've seen Valentino Pinedo. Pinedo has seemed to regress as the season has gone on. Sear and Callum have both gotten a little better, but they're still freshmen. Callum was out for a couple weeks there at the end of December into early January, and I think until this Pirate basketball team sees more depth in that front court, it's going to be really hard for them to stay competitive in league play. They're 2-2 two and two right now, so right in the middle of the pack. Not a bad start to the conference play, but Coach Schwartz even said it. After their first game at FAU, this team is not deep enough yet. And really right now, I think it's mostly that front court. We need someone to step up and be that next guy. However, it seems as though when Brandon and Ezra are able to stay on the floor that they have been able to be successful in those roles. And hopefully tonight, that slow pace of play, they will be able to save their legs, maybe play a little more minutes than they normally would and keep the Pirates in this one. And it's going to be a tough one. The Mean Green are undefeated in league play, a perfect 4-0, never lost an American Athletic Conference game. It's not going to be an easy contest for East Carolina by any means, but if they want to do it, they're going to have to make every possession count as they will get so few in tonight's contest. Of course, with that being said, when you have that smothering Mike Schwartz defense, that can also help the Pirates a little bit. So I do think this can be a very evenly matched game as long as the Pirates do take advantage of those possessions, don't turn the ball over a lot, because it seemed like last time out when they played the SMU Mustangs, the big th difference in the Mustangs and the Pirates was that depth. SMU played 10 players in the game, nine of which saw significant playing time. The Pirates, on the other hand, they played nine guys, but only really saw six or seven with really true minutes out there. A couple guys just played two or three minutes here and there, and it was very 
clear in that second half that East Carolina just did not have the legs to hang with the SMU team, but SMU plays at a faster place that, pace excuse me, than North Texas. And I think with this mean green team playing that slow brand of basketball, it will allow the Pirates to hang around. And then it's all about closing out a tough, close game. It's something they haven't done a great job of this year, but hey, it's a big opportunity. They're at home. It's their second game at home. They've slept in their bed for almost a week straight now, and I think there is a great opportunity here for the Pirates to get what could be a very crucial conference victory tonight. So that'll about wrap it up for our first segment as we do have to get Scott Scooter Rogers on the phone so we can speak with him about the women's game that wrapped up earlier today. So that will do it here and uh, stay tuned with us here on the Thursday edition or excuse me the Wednesday edition. I'm, I'm all out of whack. I apologize. The Wednesday edition of the Patrick Johnson show. We have you covered with all the ECU news and beyond that you need for the drive home. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back into the Wednesday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show as we are recapping women's basketball's earlier loss to Rice and previewing the men's basketball game going on later tonight, which we heard right here on 94.3 The Game as well as our sister station, 107.9. Network coverage starting at 6.30 that 7 o'clock tip. We are joined now by the voice of the Pirate women's basketball team, Scott Scooter-Rogers. He was on the call with Rob Maloney earlier this afternoon, well, this morning into this early afternoon. How's it going, Scott? Uh, my ears have not stopped ringing yet after the uh, 5,000 little youngins running around Minji's Coliseum today. <laughs> well, yeah. The education days, they're always uh, they're fun. It's good for the kids. It's a fun way to get out of school, have a little fun field trip. Unfortunately, for the adults that have to be in an attendance, um, it's uh, like being in the pit at a rock concert. But, hey, you know, happy for the kids. You know, I was expecting to have the noise buffered a little bit with our headset, but it did not help at all. There was times today during the game, you probably heard me say this since you were producing back in studio, how we would have fouls called, and I, I would not hear a whistle at all. You would just have to base it off of the motion of the players. So that's how loud it is on these education days uh, for women's basketball. Well, props to all the uh, kids of Pitt County and beyond for showing out and having, bringing the energy. So we do appreciate their uh, administration allowing them to come as well as the kids for bringing that energy. Did we even use a crowd mic today, Scooter? I, I don't think we needed one. We had one, but I don't think the volume was turned that much up today because it certainly was not needed for as loud as it was. Yeah, not surprised there. So let's kind of get into the game. Pirates fall to 2-3 and three in league play with an 80-67 to 67 loss to Rice. And yeah, I didn't think the Pirates really played bad today. Of course, they're still kind of trying to figure out their identity with losing Sania Johnson as well as Micah Dennis. But I would say props to the Rice Owls. They really looked like a fundamentally sound team today and uh, could be a contender for a conference title. Yeah, they absolutely could be, and this is a really good Rice club. You know, they've now won five of their, or they've won four of their last five games, with them being four and one in the American. Now they're tied for first with that win over East Carolina today. But Lindsay Edmonds has done such a good job in the three years that she's been at Rice. She was the associate head coach at NC State under Westmore for two years. She was at NC State longer than that before she got promoted to associate head coach and. 
it's like Rob Rob said today on the broadcast. You know, when you have when you've been with a program like NC State and someone under Westmore, you certainly know how to run a program. And from a recruiting standpoint, saying hey, you know, we're going to be doing the same things that a perennial top ten team has done over the last few years. That's a big recruiting pitch for that program. But this is a team that certainly is going to be there at the end of the year for the American. They're certainly a conference championship contender with the way they play today. And Bryce did such a good job with short-range shots today. 10, 15-footers, they would drive inside, pull up, and have no problem hitting those shots. And the thing that Rice did so much better than East Carolina did today, too, was they hit the big shots when it counted. They, they would hit a three in the corner. They would have great ball movement to set up shots as well. And Rice just didn't do really a lot of things wrong today. And, and when you look at East Carolina, yes, you're still missing your three guards and, and Jayla Herb, who's been out the whole year after tearing her ACL in the conference championship game last season. Of course, you lost Micah Dennis. You lose Sania Johnson. And that's a, that's a, those are big pieces to lose. You, know, you already went into the season without one of your guards with Jayla being out. But then you lose Sania and you lose Micah as well. And those are two that had a lot of minutes for East Carolina. Micah was the point guard on this team for up until she got hurt. And so you're having to adjust so much with playing freshmen. Karina Gordon, though, has done a good job of stepping up in her first year at East Carolina. But they've had other players that have had to step up. The Weiss sisters have had to do that. You mentioned Karina Gordon. you got Kaya Miller, the other freshman, that has had to play some more minutes. And Morgan Mosley was one today that stepped up for East Carolina. And I just think this team is just not gelling really good right now with, with the injury bug and, and just having to pick up some slack with some other players that might not, wouldn't say they're not ready yet, but certainly have, did not expect to be in this big of a role early in their careers. Yeah, definitely a props to those freshmen, obviously, and uh, also Bobby Smith, sophomore. She's not really seen, I would say, an increase in minutes this year, but it just seems like her role on the court is bare when you look at her minutes from a year ago. So this year it's about the same. But, uh, you know, what do you think is the is the key for this Pirates team to get back to where they need to be? Because when you look at them, they have decent depth. They're, they're not, obviously, now with the injuries as deep as they want to be. But you mentioned some of the guards that have stepped up. You know, you've got the two freshmen. You've got um, Bobby Smith, as previously mentioned, and uh, I feel like I'm missing a guard here. Oh, and then, obviously, you have Danae McNeil. So there is guard play there, and there is some depth. But what what needs to happen for this team? Because, look, it, the unfortunate thing is this is going to be a one-bid league is what it's looking like right now. I, I don't even see South Florida, if, if someone else wins it, probably getting an at-large bid. Maybe they could be the one exception if anyone does. So at the end of the day, as long as East Carolina gets it figured out by the conference tournament, nothing matters. I mean, yeah, you want to win as right. many conference games as possible, but what is it going to have to be? What's going to have to hit? We know we've got a Maya Joyner. We know the post play has been solid, but what has to happen, especially on the perimeter, to put this team at that level so where they can reach what they reached a year ago? I think a big thing with this team right now is is confidence. They've had so many games up until, especially lately, that they haven't shot the ball very well. Uh, you know, having this skid now in the American where you're you have the losing record, you've lost two and or you've lost three in a row now to to programs in the American Conference. And I just think confidence is a big thing. Getting that confidence back to Danae McNeil, you know, she. Did not have a ever since the South Carolina game. She has not had been herself in terms of shooting. 
Uh, and even defensively, she hasn't necessarily been herself since then as well. And so I think, you know, just the confidence thing with this club right now is, is huge. And, you know, we said getting players to step up, you know, continuing to have people like Karina Gordon step up and Morgan Mosley. Someone needs to come out and say, hey, I'm going to take the lead here and I'm going to I'm going to pick up the slack that we have right now with the players being out. Um, but as a team overall, I think it's just scoring right now is the biggest issue for this team. You know, and, and defense has been kind of let down the past two games with them where they gave up 80 today. They gave up 81 to Tulane last Saturday. And so just nothing is really clicking for this team right now, it seems. And, you know, Kim McNeil's frustrated because defense is, is her thing. They've, they've worked on that so hard since she's been here as the head coach. And last year, they put more emphasis on scoring the basketball, and it worked so well last year with, with how they scored the basketball, especially towards the end of the year. And so, you know, I just think a confidence thing right now is really the biggest thing for this club. You know, the unfortunate thing about, you know, being a defensive-minded team is when the opponent, even if you are playing good defense, and the opponent starts raining in some threes and you're not as skilled offensively, it can hurt you. Because if you go back to last week's game, you know, UAB just couldn't miss from downtown. It seemed like today was kind of the some a little bit of the same with Rice. But, you know, you mentioned Danae McNeil, and you mentioned a specific game, the South Carolina game. She hasn't looked the same since then. That's when Micah Dennis went down. And if you look at Danae McNeil's play last year, Micah Dennis didn't start the year in the starting lineup. She came off the bench. Then when she moved into her starting lineup, that's when it seemed like Danae kind of, you know, blossomed. It almost seems like when Micah's there, it takes the pressure off Danae and she plays with more fluency, more flow, and it has caused her to be more successful. Am I wrong in thinking this? Because obviously you're able to attend women's games more often than I am, as so many times I've been having to produce the men's game when they're on the road. But I'm not saying that Danae can't get to that point with someone like Karina or Bobby at the point guard position, but, you know, or uh, I'm leaving out, who's the other freshman? Um, who am I leaving out here? Yeah, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Miller. Miller. Kyle Miller, thank you. But is is it fair to say that Danae isn't, as good when Mike is, or I shouldn't say as good, as comfortable when Mike is not she's on the court. Not, yeah, yeah, she's just not mixing well right now with with kind of the other players. I think, and you know, it's like you said when you have somebody like that combination of Danae and, and Micah, that's a good mix, and that's arguably two of the best guards on the floor. Whenever East Carolina would step on the floor against anybody, um, and 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 you know, I say it a lot. You know, like in baseball when you've got a pitcher and catcher that really like working with each other, it throws your game off if you're if your partner's not out there. And so I think that's as you said, that's that's a good possibility it is with Danae right now. And you know, when with the with the amount of freshmen and inexperienced not necessarily inexperienced, but players that haven't played a lot for East Carolina and played with Danae a lot have had to step up here over the past couple of weeks. You know, they're not used to playing with each other and it's tough to, to go, I think, into the middle of the season like it is, especially now with conference play starting and basically having to learn all your players again almost and, and mix with these other players. And, and you're right, for a, for a leadership standpoint of a player that has been here now for five years and hasn't had to really look at an injury standpoint like this and play with this adversity, it's, it's, it's certainly tough. But Danae certainly is going to power through it and, they can easily get this thing turned around. 
And I think the talent is there with those, you know, with Kai Miller and with uh, Karina Gordon to mesh well with Danae. I think it's just unfortunately, like you said, they don't have as much chemistry together. And then there's something about the mental side, and that's the experience. And I'm not saying that these two ladies don't have what it takes mentally, but they haven't been to where Micah Dennis has been. You know, Micah Dennis played in the Big 12 at Oklahoma State before she came here. Micah Dennis played for the Canadian women's national team. And whether or not Danae McNeil thinks about that, I think it might just subconsciously be in the back of her brain. Um, and that's human nature. This is not a shot at Danae by any means, but or anyone else on the team, because it's not, in, you know, I keep, we keep talking about Danae. Obviously, it's, it's a team thing. The team is not performing at the level that they need to. But right now, I'm, we're just bringing up her because she's still the star, despite other players being out. But she's not playing at the conference player of the year level, maybe over the last, you know, four or five games. But I think it's just one of those things where when you've got someone like that that's got that experience... And then you go to freshmen, no matter how talented they are and how good of people and how good of leaders they are, it's just human nature to have a little bit of that mental lapse. And, hey, that's not our leader. That's not our veteran. That's not our 22, 23-year-old, however old Micah is now with all this great experience. And, you know, unfortunately, you got 18-year-olds out there, and it just seems to, I don't know, not be fully where it needs to be. But I think I still think there's – there's optimism, right? I mean, do you think that you get to talk to the players more, you're around them more? Is their body language still good? Is the optimism still there? Because I'm still optimistic that this team can be successful. Yeah, and I think everybody is. You know, I think these coaches know this thing can get turned around very quickly. And, you know, I caught the Rob about it today. And this was before we even started with the broadcast. We were looking at the standings in the American and, and, and it's really a wide open conference. You know, yes, you have a couple teams at four and one, but East Carolina now at two and three puts them in the middle of the pack for the American right now. And, you know, you go back to last year, East Carolina got hot around this time and, and there's certainly time for this. And that's why I brought up that confidence thing because confidence is going to be such a big thing for this club going forward to get this thing turned around. And so, getting that body language up a little bit and having some confidence around this ball club could help them a lot, I believe. All righty. Well, Scooter, we thank you for joining us and uh, wrapping up the uh, kind of this women's game. It's unfortunate the Pirates did fall today 70-67 to to Rice, but uh, we got to get Igo on because I need to talk to him before he makes his way over to the arena and has crappy cell service. But uh, I think you have a little breaking news about yourself that you're going to be playing a little bit of a different role tonight on the men's game than normal. Yeah, uh, I will be the uh, PA voice tonight for the uh, men's games. Some uh, some late scheduling changes have put me uh, in the PA seat tonight, so looking forward to it. Hey, man, well, best of luck. Uh, as you know, I've done a lot of PA, as you have as well, but, hey, there's something about get the first time you get to do a football game or a men's basketball game when you get into quote-unquote revenue sports. Hey, man, you've made it. That's right. That's right. This is my first men's game. I did a lot of uh, – women's games before I started doing play-by-play but uh yeah first time doing the men tonight so uh looking forward to it and and you know it's gonna be a good I think it's gonna be a good game tonight and Minji's are playing a really good North Texas team and hopefully uh Pirate fans pack Minji's Coliseum again tonight with how good attendance has been this year for East Carolina men's basketball has been really really good to see because it shows that the fans are are into basketball this year and that's another team man that confidence right now I think is huge for that team just to 
to get back on the winning ways and, and could just they just can't quite get over that hump right now it seems but maybe tonight a, a win tonight over North Texas would be, certainly be a a turning corner for this team this year. I think it definitely would as I earlier mentioned North Texas does come in a, come in a perfect 4-0 undefeated in league play. Well, that'll do it for our segment. So, uh thank you Scott and uh have a great rest of your evening. Appreciate it, Philip. All righty, there he goes. That is Scott Rogers. On the other side of this timeout, we will be joined by Stephen Igo to talk more about that men's basketball game. Have you noticed he's in his own little happy hour? We're back to the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the happy hour program. Here's the P-Man. Welcome back in here to our Patrick Johnson Show Wednesday edition. I'm Philip Pilkington filling in for the P-Man as he gets ready to call the East Carolina men's basketball game against North Texas. We just wrapped up. Uh, talking to Scott Rogers uh, about the earlier women's game. Now we're going to transition into the men's game that is tonight. can be heard right here on 94.3 The Game as well. Is that our sister station, 107.9 Network coverage. will start at 6.30 for that 7 o'clock tip inside Williams Arena, Menji's Coliseum, as the Pirates get set to host the Mean Green of North Texas. We are joined now on the show live by the man from Hoist the Colors, Stephen Igo. How's it going, Igo? Doing good, Philip. A little weird to be joining you over the phone today instead of uh, in studio or over the computer for our show. But uh, you know, obviously, we had women's basketball coverage, so good to talk to you, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. It, it was weird. Yeah, I think it's the latest in the day on a weekday we've ever gone without talking to each other. So, <laughs> no doubt, it's been too long. <laughs> yeah. All righty, so we'll we'll jump right into it. The Pirates will be hosting North Texas today. Let's let's start with the Mean Green. This team, uh, according to Ken Palm, is the slowest team in the nation. They come in to the game at uh, ten and five overall, three and zero in league play. I misspoke earlier in the last segment when I called them four and zero in league play. It's the Memphis Tigers that are four and zero in the American, but they have a chance to become four and zero tonight. They are undefeated in the American Athletic Conference, and they play slow. They shoot the three ball well, thirty eight percent from downtown, and their top five leading scores are all guards. The top leading scorer that or the tallest out of those guys is only six foot seven, that being Aaron Scott Jr. out of Spring, Texas. So this is a team that, you know, moves it slow, but then they get a lot of a lot of teams that move it slow, like to work it inside, get it to the big men. But this team's a little different in the fact that it seems like the guard play is what uh scores a lot and what problems do you think that presents for the Pirates tonight? Yeah, I mean anytime you have a combination of a team that is holding opponents to 58 points per game, which I think is the fourth lowest number in college basketball entering today, and then shooting 38% from three, which I don't have the number where that ranks, but that's got to be in the top, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 of college basketball as well. Those are two elite numbers, and you mentioned it. We talked about it on the show a little bit yesterday, Philip. They are the slowest-paced team in college basketball, so clearly they're going to grind the clock down. They're going to take their time, and from what I understand, they're very good at getting into the paint with their guards and then hitting the kick-out three. So they like to penetrate, kick, hit threes. You know, they do have some size, but don't really rely on that for their scoring. And they're just a really fundamentally sound basketball team. They don't beat themselves with turnovers. When you have that many guards, obviously you can handle the ball pretty well. But I, I just think it's going to be a very tough, Matchup for ECU, I mean, the other numbers that stick out, Phillip, they're holding teams to 28% from three-point range and then holding teams to 37% overall. So very similar numbers to SMU 
defensively, and we saw how much ECU struggled against the Mustangs on offense. So they're really going to have to get some strong play from their stars tonight, ECU that is, and they're going to have to hit contested shots, uh, specifically contested shots from the perimeter. Otherwise, it's going to be a, a long night again probably. Yeah, another thing here, the mean green allowing teams to only shoot 42% from two. That's 13th best in the country, which which is a little interesting considering you mentioned they have some size, but um, they're, they're really tallest. The tallest player on the roster is only 6'9". They have another guy, 6'8", Robert Allen, who plays a handful of minutes as well. He's averaging 5.6 per game and, and eight rebounds per game. It seems like this team, you know, you mentioned the fundamentally soundness of them. And when you look at their bigs, yeah, their bigs maybe don't score the basketball a lot, but they seem to protect the rim really well and force teams to shoot a lot of threes and, um, you know, Props to them because their guards seem to guard that three ball really well. Yeah, Coach Schwartz said earlier this week they pretty much guard the paint. They pack it in. They make you <clears throat> they make you beat them and you know, from the perimeter. So again, ECU's gonna have to make contested shots. The other thing is that Aaron Scott guy who, you know, technically listed as a wing at six seven, he's blocked twenty one shots. So he's kind of their 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 eraser, so to speak. Not not that he's a true, you know, six ten, six six eleven shot blocker, but he can block some shots. You mentioned Robert Allen. He's blocked 10 shots. So they're not a huge shot-blocking team, but they don't let you get easy baskets more times than not. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what do they do with Ezra? Do they double him in the post? Uh, do they force him to kick the ball out, go, go cross-country passing, that sort of stuff uh, that some of these teams do that try to deny easy touches in the paint? So it, it, it's just, look, when you're ECU right now, you need the big three. You need R.J. Felton, Brandon Johnson, Ezra Sarr, and you know, maybe you don't need all three of them clicking on the same night, but you need at least two clicking on offense. And we saw Ezra click versus SMU. RJ, you know, had points, but he went five of 19 from the floor. And then Brandon Johnson obviously had a brutal night. So you got to have at least two of those guys have big games tonight. And then you got to hope to get more, just a little bit more from somewhere else offensively. Yeah, you mentioned more from somewhere else. Uh, am I crazy to think this, but I am hoping tonight because they play slower and it's not going to be as much wear and tear on the legs that maybe it can allow coach Schwartz to shorten up the bench. This team is really deep in the backcourt. You know, it stinks not having Quentin, but when you look at RJ, Jaden, Caleb, you know, um, Bobby and, and, and Cam, the backcourt's fine. The unfortunate thing is it seems like to me, other than BJ and Ezra, nobody has stepped up to be that rotational piece down low. You know, we haven't seen Val be consistent enough. Callum's been okay, but he's been out for a couple weeks. Now he's back. Still didn't see him last game. We saw Sear for four or five minutes last game. I mean, not not saying BJ and, and Ezra got to play 40 tonight, but do you think there's a chance they play 35, 38 minutes because the game will be a slower pace? And, I mean, quite frankly, we don't have a third post player. I mean, there's no way to sit here and sugarcoat it. We do not have a third consistent guy down low. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. And I think maybe that will play to ECU's advantage with the game being a little bit slower paced. It's one of those things maybe we'll just have to see how the game kind of unfolds early. And, you know, Coach Schwartz typically likes to get in, you know, a few of those fringe guys midway through the first half just to get – R.J. Brandon Ezra off their feet a little bit, but if you 
you know, ECU's had a tendency at times to fall behind in that 8-12 to 12 point range in the first half. If you do that, it makes it very difficult to make those subs. So a lot of it could be dictated by, you know, game flow, game score, that sort of thing. But I think definitely the flow could help ECU. I mean, it's one of those things, look, they have to develop depth, but the only way to develop it is by getting those guys live minutes. So, you know, Sierra Malonga, we've seen flashes, but at the same time, if he doesn't really know what he's doing from a defensive perspective, you can't put him on the floor in a game like this and allow easy buckets in, in crucial moments. So it's just, you know, it's kind of a, a, a double-edged sword, so to speak, because you have to get them in-game experience, but that also can't cost you points in what could be a very close, low-scoring game. So it's, you know, it's a tough decision for Coach Schwartz. You would like the team to come out, maybe hit some early shots, get a little bit of a lead, and that way you can kind of play with your bench a little more. But they have not been able to do that uh, thus far in conference play, really. You know, it's interesting you brought that up because Coach Schwartz said, I don't know if you listened to his post-game interview after the FAU game on the radio, but he was straight up like, this team's not deep enough yet. So, like, at least he realizes it. But the unfortunate thing right now is, like, yeah, like you said, they've got to get the game reps. But, heck, Sear played, like I said, like four or five minutes last game. Callum didn't play at all. Look, Pinedo's not it. I'm sorry. He's played 70 minutes and scored two points. He's been a defensive liability. I'm not trying to sit here and just bash a kid on the flagship station of the team, but it's been rough. And, it, like, I mean, I'm with you that they got to play, but, hell, if they're not playing or if they're playing three or four minutes, I don't see how they're ever going to – I mean, I get the point. You got to play the game to win the game, but – I don't know. Is there is there room for more balance? Am I crazy? I mean, I guess you ain't cutting it in practice, can't get in the game, but like you said, you can't simulate game reps anywhere but live bullets, and here we are. It's league play. It's a regular season. Conference play or out of conference play is over. We got to figure it out, like now. Yeah, it's just one of those things you wish, you know, you kind of wish you could redo the offseason a little bit and maybe take a different approach in recruiting, and I'm not questioning what Coach Schwartz did, but from the standpoint of, look, they had bad luck with Corey Faison. I expected him as a local kid from Goldsboro to come in, make an immediate impact, and he's already left the program as a freshman. He was probably going to be one of their more talented players. It just didn't work out. So you had that situation uh, turn out to be a bust. I don't blame them at all for taking that, uh, taking that chance. But they also looked at some transfer big guys, that they had on campus or they talked to, and they just didn't have the NIL money to bring them in. So they went the freshman route with Callum Richard and Sierra Malanga, and they knew it would take time, but I thought I think they thought they could get more from them as freshmen. And now you're sitting here mid-middle of conference play, and you really just don't know what you have there. And so it, you'd really love some sort of big guy from the portal, but it's easier said than done. And it's just kind of a situation right now. You're six, seven deep, maybe. I mean, if Jaden Walker's healthy, you feel good about him. But even he's taken a, a huge step back playing off the ball this year. So with Quentin DeBunjay out, I think with him emerging at the FAU game and then getting hurt, that was a huge blow. I think he's a guy, even though he's not a big, he can add more depth on the wing. And they're struggling to shoot the three, and he's a pretty good three-point shooter. So it's just been a... It's been a weird year from a roster construction, roster availability standpoint. It's definitely playing a role in ECU's lack of depth right now. So for all our listeners, what Stephen Igo is trying to say is donate to Team Boneyard because we need bigs. Exactly. <laughs> and you get bigs in the portal. But uh, no, so just kind of looking at this, um, you know, I think the unfortunate thing tonight is 
that you know ECU being a I don't know maybe it is fortunate the game's slow because they're a, they're a tough defensive team but maybe the unfortunate thing is because we like to go on droughts without scoring is tonight you got to make every possession count and you're probably only going to get 50 or 60 possessions as opposed to 70 or 80 so man I, I don't know I just what do you think the Pirates have to do successfully in order to win tonight why why do the Pirates win and then maybe on the flip side after that what would cause the Pirates you think to lose this game if they come out on the on the short end I think they a first and foremost got to guard a three-point line on offense North Texas has had two of their five leading scores banged up recently. They're questionable going into tonight. We'll see if they play. They've still been able to kind of roll through this five-game winning streak. But, you know, if they shoot 38% from three, uh, it's going to be very tough to win this basketball game. So you got to find a way to limit them, you know, hopefully keep them around 30% or lower or at least in the low 30s. And then, obviously, offensively, you're just going to have to have your guys step up, you know, your, your three dudes, and – if somebody else emerges, that's great. But you need a good R.J. Felton game. You need a good Brandon Johnson game. We'll see if Ezra can repeat what he did. He's getting to the line. He's starting to knock him down. you got to hit your free throws, too. North Texas has allowed more free throw attempts than they have a shot this year. So typically teams are going to the line more than they are. So you got to shoot when you ma- or you got to make them when you get there. And, and the other thing is I'm a big trend guy, Phillip. And North Texas has won five in a row. But now they're traveling cross country after back to back road or back to back home games. ECU has back to back home games. They're coming off a loss. I do like this spot for ECU. Middle of the week, home game, paint a black night. I think ECU will play well, and I think they could catch North Texas maybe sleeping a bit. But obviously, they got to go out and execute. And if they don't, they'll get beat because North Texas is a, a very good basketball team. Yeah, hopefully that uh that cross country trip will be what does it whatever it takes to win, right? So. Um... You know, the unfortunate thing tonight, you know, you mentioned they foul a lot. The crappy thing is this, due to slow possessions, maybe they don't get in as much foul trouble. And they're not real deep in the front court as they are in the back court. But, you know, heck, if you're only getting 50 possessions or so, obviously you can only draw so many fouls. So um, I know we like to do this when we do when we're on hoist the colors together. So you got a final score prediction for tonight between the Pirates and the Mean Green? North Texas, I think, favored by three and a half last I checked. I'm going to go with the Pirates. I think the Pirates pull it out outright. I just have a feeling they'll play well tonight, get it done, uh, beat the mean green. I'm going to go 62 to 60 ECU. Yeah, I'm with you. I think if Brandon Johnson bounces back, you know, Coach, you, you hit it on it earlier, and Coach hit on it after the game that it was the first game that really RJ and BJ have not played well. Last game out against SMU. And um, I think they both bounce back tonight. Um, I think the Pirates create some live ball turnovers to maybe pick up the pace a smidge, and that plays into their favor. So uh, I'm going to go 67-62 ECU. Um, maybe it's bad that we're both picking them. Maybe I should be on here and be like Kaysen and just be like, man, we stink. We're going to lose by 10. Because last time he did that, we won. So maybe that's what I should be saying. But, hey. We're both predicting to win, so hopefully we're right. It's a little scary. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, it's just like uh, just like we do our football picks, right? We're all on one team, bet the other. No doubt. I mean, it, maybe Casey's somewhere screaming at his radio saying that, you know, North Texas is going gonna, is gonna to roll and then we're safe. Hopefully he is. All righty, Stephen. Well, we uh, thanks you for joining us here on the Patrick Johnson Show, and I will uh, see you in a few minutes over inside the arena. 
All right, guys. Appreciate it. All right, there he goes. That was Stephen Igo from Hoist the Colors. On the other side, we will be back to wrap up the Wednesday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back in here to the Wednesday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show as we are getting you set for East Carolina and North Texas. We have been joined already previously on the show by Scott Scooter Rogers as we wrapped up today's game that happened earlier today between East Carolina and Rice on the hard court in the women's side. The Owls came out victorious in that one, 82-67. Then we had Steven Igo on and we uh, previewed the Pirates game coming up tonight against the Mean Green of North Texas. If you missed those and you'd like to go back and hear them in their full um, capacity, you can always download the IBX Media app. It is free, and there are no pre-roll ads to uh, hear this show as well as all of our others, Tom and or, uh, Mike and Laura. Mark and Laura, gosh, this is like the third thing I botched on this show today in the morning, as well as Talk of the Town and uh, Hoist Colors, Steve and I go. So um, you can tune in and hear that interviews or those interviews if you would like, if you missed them. So once again, Pirates um, coming into this one at 9-8 and eight overall, 2-2 two and two in league play. They dropped the first game of league play at... Florida Atlantic, number 17 team in the country, 76-64. The score um, of that one does not show how close that game was. Uh, the Pirates were only down by a possession or so, about five and a half minutes to play, and they just went cold at the wrong time. They backed it up with a home win over the Tulsa Golden Hurricane before uh, going on the road to Temple, getting their first win against the Owls in the city of brotherly love, and then fell to SMU here over this past weekend, 75-64, in what was a close game there for a while, and the Mustangs hit a couple crucial threes midway through the second half and kind of uh, were able to pull away there from the Pirates, who made kind of a late push, but too little, too late. So we'll see what happens tonight when they take on North Texas, a team who plays very well in the defensive end, allowing under 60 points a game, third best scoring defense in the nation. They play extremely slow. They pack it in tight defensively, force you to shoot the three ball, and they guard the three very well. So it'll be interesting to see how the Pirates do. Obviously still no Quentin DeBunje, who is one of the better three-point shooters for the Pirates. So that is a little unfortunate. So hopefully the Pirates can pull one off tonight. North Texas obviously making that trip across the country from Denton, Texas, just north of Dallas. And uh, the Pirates back-to-back home games. So last Wednesday night was the uh, last time they had to travel. They flew in after that Temple game. So about a week in their own beds. That should help the Pirates for sure. A couple other games going on tonight of interest. Virginia will host Virginia Tech in Charlottesville. So big rivalry game there in the ACC. Both those teams coming in at 2-3 and three in league play. Florida State will be at Miami, so another rivalry game there in Coral Gables. And Carolina will host Louisville. Uh, obviously, this is not Louisville teams of past. Louisville is just abysmal, 6-10 and 10 overall, 1-4 and four in ACC play. Should be a easy, comfortable victory for the 
top ranked or the top 10 ranked Tar Heels. Elsewhere in the American tonight, Tulane, they're two and two. They will travel to UAB, who is two and one, and one and three. UTSA will be at Tulsa, who is 0 and four and still looking for their first win in conference play here on the young season. A couple news and notes now for our programming. We'll be back. Uh, the, the P-Man will be back tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We are expected to have Jim Zoki on to recap that uh, boring wildcard weekend and hope to preview what will hopefully be a better divisional round game, as well as talk to Jim about his thoughts on the Panthers hosting a game in Munich, Germany next year. Hopefully he'll get to go to that. I'm sure that would be a fun trip. It's unsure which of the nine teams the Carolina Panthers host next year will be that game overseas in Germany. Um, Steven Igo's show will be back tomorrow. They took today off uh, of Hoist the Colors due to the women's game. Uh, Kaysen Romaley will join us on that show. And also look out for the Monday edition of the Patrick Johnson show next week. We will have a lot of the audio from ECU's uh, Media Day from baseball on that one as uh, we will be at ECU Media Day for baseball middle of the day on um, on Monday. And then we'll come back over to our 94.3 The Game Studios after that to do our show and uh, we'll bring you all the comments there from Coach Godwin, Coach Palumbo, Coach Knight, as well as a select group of players that we will get to talk to on that as Pirate Baseball is just a handful of weeks away now as we are getting closer and closer to college baseball season as it is today. Very cold, very windy. That's how you know college baseball season is here in eastern North Carolina. You know, as a kid, I was always told baseball was a summer sport, and then I moved to Greenville, and I found out that that was far from the truth. Of course, I've got sunburnt at regionals a few times, so maybe maybe it's just a, a year-round sport, but... um. Hey, you know, it uh, doesn't matter what the temperature is. The Pirate Nation will be out in full force for Pirate Baseball as they will open the season with Ryder. Speaking of the Pirate Nation, the uh, fans have done a great job showing up for Pirate Basketball, it seems like, over the last few games. Uh, of course, the last two home games have been weekend games. But tonight, we hope you all can make it out to Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum for this game between the Pirates and North Texas, the Pirates will need everyone in full forces. Crowds always seem to make more of a difference in those defensive slugfest, tough, uh, tightly contested basketball games, which is what tonight will be. Every possession will matter. I know that Coach Schwartz says every game is a possession game in the American Athletic Conference, but I think that truly does come into play tonight against a team that plays so slow against a team who works the ball inside, uh, especially with their guard play, which is really interesting. So the uh, Pirate defense will be um, meeting their match tonight against a team who's very good defensively and very disciplined offensively. So we want to thank you all for tuning in to today's Patrick Johnson show. Thanks to the P-Man for allowing me to uh, guest host as he was out. Uh, just had too much going on to get ready for tonight's contest as he will be on the plus call but uh if you cannot make it on over to the arena be sure to tune in right here on 94.3 the game bottom of the hour as darren vaught and coach michael perry along with the studio host dom kasulki will be on the call for that one and tip is scheduled for 702 eastern tonight between the pirates and green wave thanks to scott scooter rogers for being a guest today and thanks to 
uh, Stephen Igo as well. I am Philip Pilkington. Thank you guys for listening, and join us once again tomorrow for the Patrick Johnson Show right back here at 5 o'clock on 94.3 The Game.